All righty. Welcome to Wednesday Night Musical Osmosis, where intelligent dissonant thought meets melodic euphonious reality. I am your musically magnanimous host, Nick the Saucy One Cat Soros, broadcasting to you live, as always, from the shadow of Hurricane Mountain. And I also want to introduce my percussively proficient, try saying that fast three times, co-host calling in all the way from Charm City, Odell yeah. Norman. What's going on, bro? Hey, D. Hey, hey. He's back there somewhere. I am with my red <laughs> strawberry apple ale. Yes, you, you are always lurking. You're quite the creeper. I am. I am. It works, you know, so what are you going to do? Right. So here we are, Adele. You know, um, we pushed back the schedule a week because yep. of conflicts with um, the wedding. We had Mariana's wedding, so instead of two weeks off, we had three weeks off. And I feel like I've been off for three months. It feels like it feels like a, a while between the last show and this one, does. Isn't that crazy? And then it seems like the Dave show, which was two shows again, was forever ago. Yeah, it does. It does. So that's crazy. All right, D. Um, I guess the announcement would be that after almost four years, over five years, if you want to count in blog form, mm-hmm. I have called it quits on the ignorance equation. The political toxicity has finally poisoned me to the point where I can no longer carry on. I feel like I did my civic duty and tried to bring people to the table for five years. But, you know, like I put up the other day, here's what's wrong with our politics. Our our political discourse in this country is like this. If John has two apples and Bob has two apples, how many apples are there? Four. If John has two bananas and Bob has two bananas, how many bananas are there? Four. If John has two coconuts and Bob has two coconuts, how many coconuts are there? Zero. Well, how can that be? I fucking hate coconuts. That's where we are now. Pretty like, much. There, there's no logic. Everybody's in their own little bubbles. And, yeah. you know, I, I had a long talk with um, Linda because she was supposed to be the guest on our last show until that got all blown up. And right. um, Linda was like, look, you can't talk about, like, um, air pollution with somebody who doesn't believe the sky exists. Like if you're sitting there the whole time trying to convince them there's such a thing as the sky, then you'll never get to the issue. And so much of the time, I was running around in circles just trying to convince people of fact that we never even got to the issue. And I found myself arguing over the definition of words and defending positions I didn't have. And yep. after the last year of that, amped up especially, it's, you know, I hate to bail, but it, I just couldn't do it anymore. It was affecting me, my personal life, in a way that was too much to compromise. Right. Yeah, yeah I mean, and that's the same way on on a, on a national scale, too. If you look at even the debates, I mean, for crying out loud, nothing's there. I mean, none of the topics are hit because there's so much you know, mud being thrown that you don't even get to the actual topics that need to be talk about, talked about. Yeah, I have no idea what these fucking candidates stand for. I mean, I know the nonsense they stand for, like Trump stands for a wall, but now he doesn't anymore. He's actually even removed it from his site. And then, of course, if he got elected and was like, oh, I I want wall, I never said anything about a wall. His supporters would be like, yeah, what are you talking about? That's crazy talk. Trump never said anything. Yeah, we've never heard that. (laughs) So it's like, what's the point? And that's the thing that throws me. I've never seen, I've never been a part of, uh, something like this. This is, it's, it's like absurd. It's straight out of like a movie. It's straight out of like, 
like the idiocracy movie. It, it's actually coming full circle to that because it's like, mm-hmm. yeah, it's, it's kind of sad, man. It's like you can say whatever you want and then be like, oh, I didn't say that. And the yep. media just goes right along with it. Like, oh, well, we're not going to talk about it anymore. What do you mean you're not going to talk about it anymore? It, 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 oh, it, it drives me crazy. Like, it's all it, fear mongering, dude. And, and, yeah. and, you know, I'll make this last point. I don't want to start having politics overflow on this show. But when you right. think about it, a couple months ago, maybe even now, three or four months ago, people were terrified of transgender people invading our bathrooms and molesting our children. But guess what? The transgender people didn't go away. They didn't start making no. transgender bathrooms at Walmart. They didn't pass new legislation. So these people that were terrified of this two months ago no longer care if their kids get raped in bathrooms because that's what the narrative yeah. was two months ago. So why is that not still the narrative? Nothing's changed. Exactly. But, and then you know, it was okay. clowns. And now it's not clowns yeah. anymore. So what the fuck's that? Yeah, it's not clowns. And now, and now it's okay to, to you know vote somebody in office that has, you know, you know, like if it was Bill Cosby, you know, you have all the accusers come out. It's the same thing with Donald Trump. You have all these accusers coming out. But for the people that want him in office, it's like, oh, well, that's okay. You know, his sexual assault, his, that, that that has nothing to do with, you know, him being president. It's like, what really like, what trips me out about, is the man? evangelicals, the ones who are so strict with religion that are making excuses for Trump. Yeah, that's what's crazy. Absolutely making the... the and that's where you know that's why I I get so frustrated when I hear because you're you're you claim to be something that you're not. Um, you know, look at yourself. You know, take a long hard look at yourself. You know, most, you know the majority of them have either have or have mothers or daughters, and you're sitting up here stealing this crap. And then in a couple of weeks, what are you going to say to your kid or say to your wife or say to your girlfriend or whatever? Like, well, you just said weeks ago that it was okay that stuff doesn't bother that bother you now everything is done and died down and gone away what are you going to say now you know how do you how do you explain yourself because you're fully it, it's sickening man you look i mean people are literally going nuts and going i'm looking at rudy giuliani and he's literally lost his freaking mind man and, and it's crazy because you just watch it every day and he says the dumbest stuff and it gets more absurd Every single day, I'm like, this guy's literally losing his mind over this. Yeah, it's a sad state of affairs, dude. But you know what? Something interesting just occurred to me. This is a musical show. So let's talk some music because I will will go on a fucking rant and we'll be sitting here talking to midnight about this election. So let's talk some music. All right. um, D, real quick, who do we have coming up? Uh, I know the holidays are coming up and we always slow down around the holidays. It's harder to book people. I don't know how many shows we're going to be doing November, December. We haven't been able to book much over the holiday season. That's understandable. And I'm not really driving as hard to book because I always slow down around the holidays. We've got Vivian's birthday this weekend and Halloween and, of course, all your normal holidays. So we've got a couple shows coming up and all kinds of new stuff on Tin Can. So let us have it. We do. Um, really quick, our new stuff on Tin Can Media, that is tincan.media, not .com. Uh, we've actually got Unica's shows should be up. Uh, very soon. I've got the page ready. I just have to pull some videos. And she Bobby. is... Who is uh, Unica? Unica happens to be <laughs> Odell's sister, who is yeah. a Baltimore native transplanted into China. So, Japan, right? Uh, uh, China. 
No, yeah, China. China. Sorry. Yeah, Sorry. she's yep. over in China, yep. which I think is so totally cool. Um, mm-hmm. One of those places I'd love to go myself. And um, yeah, her video series is just going to follow her being an American, being there and experiencing everything there is to do. Um, and then we've got um, author Linda Torado, who you mentioned earlier. Um, she is creating on our site as well. Um, she's first podcast is up and I am yes, the first guest. That's right. You are the very first guest. Um, and those will be there interesting. They're more conversations with interesting people and their take on um, how they think everything is going right now, whether politically or socially or socioeconomically and smart stuff. Uh, and then we're going to have Christy Bellick, uh, comedian astrologer. She is going to have um, star love astro chat will be um, up and running very, very soon. But this week we have on Kettle of Fish, which used to be the show after the show, but now is just the show. Uh, We're going to have comedian Ray Goots. Um, Actually, I think if you look on tincan.media, one of the last couple days, it might actually be today, was his day for joke of the day. Uh, Funny guy. It was yesterday. Yesterday, yeah. Today is Delaney's. Oh, nice. I love Delaney. And then for our Halloween special next week. And I'm excited about this. Yeah, I need to come up with – I'm going to have to bring out the sound effects for this one, guys, because you – anybody who knows me knows there are two holidays that are the shiznit for me. Christmas, because I love giving the perfect gift and I love, you know, decorating and the family and, you know, and the lights and all that stuff. But number one, even above my birthday – which is a holiday. No, it really is. It's July 4th. Um, Schools are closed. Oh, yeah, it right. is a holiday. Even even more than my birthday, I love Halloween. love it so, oh, so, 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 so yeah. much. Oh, my Yeah. I, I, I literally have, uh, in the background, I'm, uh, I have, uh, it's a great pumpkin. Oh, oh God, I love that one. Love <laughs> you that know, one. Odell, I never – now, you know, I thought about this. I went on your page because I pulled all these pictures for D to put together the promo poster for the show mm-hmm. next Wednesday. And we're going to have Joe Castro on, who is a legendary director and special effects creator. Oh, my God. Have you um, seen creator, some of those pictures? Yeah. And, and the horror like genre. Craziness. And Sherry Davis, who's a screen yeah. queen, along mm-hmm. with the dancing yep. pumpkin musician, uh, Matt Geller, will be on Got the you. after show. And I had great Halloween pictures of all those guys. And I went to pull one from you, and there was no pictures. And there was pictures of me and Fern and all and Dee. And, and then I thought back, I don't think I've ever fucking seen you in a Halloween costume. Do you dress <laughs> up for Halloween? Yeah, I did a few. Um, you know, well, the crazy thing is I think most of the time when um, when you were throwing Halloween parties and stuff of that, I was in school. So I was away. So I probably didn't. There was a few. Like, I dressed up. Um, I don't know. But you weren't. I don't think you were there. Like, I dressed up as a rude boy one time, as a werewolf a few times. Um I, it's funny. I dressed up more now, being a dad, right? And um, uh, with my kids, like we were talking tonight. I, I initially wanted to be um, kind of the Winter Soldier, but Lily nice. is Minnie Mouse, so she asked me to be Mickey Mouse. So I'm, I'm, uh, yeah, so I, I was like, okay, well, I think I'm gonna be Mickey. <laughs> That's quite a shift in, in mindset adorable. to go from Winter Soldier yeah. to Mickey Mouse. Yeah, definitely. But I mean, you know, one is like the pawn of an evil, like global corporation, and the other is a Winter Soldier. 
is a Winter Soldier. <laughs> Who runs the Winter Soldier now? Yes, it. I guess they're both pawns of the evil Disney Corporation. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but yeah, but now, yeah, it's even even more now. I think I guess, but just the whole feel. Um, I've always been a big fan of. Uh, well, we're going to be telling ghost stories with um, yeah. different guests that we're going to have on. And really? Because really I've got a good one. Like, for reals. That's going to be fun. I, I, I definitely right. have a good one. All right, so <laughs> let's talk about this um, story here. And we've got a call. I guess we can get whoever is calling in while we do the news. Who's on the line? Is that Kevin or is it Ginger? It's Kevin. Kevin, right man, what's up? Sorry we're running a little bit behind. We went on a political rant, so we're just getting to the news. But you could chime in. It's cool. All right, on. And Kevin's calling in because we are going to have some music from your old band, Worldwide 3, coming up here shortly. Yeah, yeah. And uh, right first, and for- first and foremost, congratulations, Kevin. You and Mariana. Yes. Wedding was awesome. Thank- oh, it was beautiful. Had a blast. And uh, it was great to see everybody. It was, it was, it was, the, the last few weeks have been really, really cool. So thank you. And I got to tell you, man, and I'm not like a new agey, hippy-dippy kind of person, but with the political environment the way this is, and believe it or not, this played a piece. It was a component, just like there was 100 moving parts in my decision to leave the ignorance equation. But after going to that wedding and just seeing all the friendship and love in that room, I was like, dude, I'm just going to fucking unblock the people I've been harboring grudges against and just move on with my <laughs> life. You know what I'm saying? Like, it was really a good vibe going on there. And I'm like I said, I'm not a hippie kind of person. I'm more of a, like you know, cash and carry punk rock guy, but it was really like, you know, there was something going on there that really, you know, it's a, it's a thin line between punk rock and, and, uh, and hippieism, I suppose. I always say, dude, a punk rocker is just a, a punk rocker is just a hippie with a pipe bomb. You're right. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> All right, let's get to the news. So something incredible happened. I, I'm looking at my Facebook feed. The story comes over about this rapper. I hope I'm saying his name right. It's M-U-R-S. And Odell would yeah. probably notice. Is it Murs? Murs. Like the ghost of Mrs. Mirror or Mike Mirror, or is it Murs? Murs. Murs. That's very high yeah. sounding. So yeah. I see this thing. It says that Murs will attempt, this is beforehand, Murs will attempt to do 24 hours of rap and break the Guinness Book of World Record. So I'm like, oh, man, this sounds interesting. I sent you a message. I was like, I want to talk about this. I can't, and I had never heard of this guy before. He wasn't on my radar. So today I went back, and it's been a dramatic with me quitting the show and my co-host and a big fucking Facebook thing with that. It's been a very um, dramatic week, intense week for me. So I just got around today to looking it up, and I was like, hey, I wonder if that Murr rapper guy had broke that record. And I look it up and I start reading on it, and it's like, yeah, he broke the record. Um, he actually did 480 raps. Yeah. But the thing I didn't know is he was rapping everything from like Run DMC to Snoop Dogg. Like he was kind of starting at the fir- very first yeah. exception of rap. Yeah. And yep. rapping all the way up. And I asked D, I said, I was in the impression he was just going to freestyle for 24 hours because that record was six hours. So I was under the impression he was going to do like a 24-hour freestyle rap. And I'll throw this out to all you guys. Is it more impressive if you do a um, six – if you do a 24-hour rap out of your own head, just make it up nonsense? Or is it more impressive if you remember 480 songs and are able um, to rap all those? 
I would go with the 480 song because <laughs> there are some guys that can freestyle and, you, or, and then there's some guys that can, and I just don't understand. I, I don't see somebody doing it that long trying to come up with stuff without it becoming pretty hokey after a while. But remember all those songs and actually go in order. And, and I believe he did 26 hours. You know, he did two more hours on top of that. I thought um, it was, they said it was just over 24, but they hadn't, like, um, said the exact hour amount. Not in the article that I pulled. It was just after 24 hours. Yeah. So it might have been 26, depending on what just over 24 means. Yeah. yeah. That'd be a long just, time. That'd be a long time to freestyle, man. That'd be a long time to do anything. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but, I mean, you could you could recite written lyrics for 26 hours. Now, so is it more impressive to freestyle then for 24 hours? It's coming out of your own head or to remember 480 songs? Well, if the freestyle had substance, it would be impressive. But, uh, man, that would be almost impossible. By 16th hour, though, you're going to be like, two to fish can, the running, you're gonna be running like, red lights on a skateboard yeah. with a molly hatchet. Like, you're going to be nuts <laughs> after like 30 yeah. hours, right? Yeah. Oh, right. my goodness, yeah. All right, D, you're along the same lines, right? You think it's more impressive to to do the 480 rap songs? Well, you know, I think both were pretty, both would be pretty impressive. Um, but being a, a music, being a classically trained musician, um, it was always a thing that we had to learn. I mean, it was like something that had to be taught and learned that if you mess up a word, you don't go back and try and fix it. You just skip right over it and get back to the beat. Well, especially in something like rap where it's very syncopated a lot of times, it's like if you mess up a word, especially in a song that you know, your every molecule wants to go back and fix it, but you can't. So, I mean, I really... I thought, you know, it would be really difficult because then if you do flub up a word, you can't fix it and you know it and you can get lost and then mess up the rest of that rap. Like, it's really easy to just kind of snowball until you're just like, bleh. But, you know, but yeah, I mean, but making stuff up out of your head could be really difficult too. And you're wondering, is he rapping on a toilet when he has to go to the bathroom and the Guineas people are in there in the bathroom with him? Right, it's like, look at them toes, look at them toes, toes. I think he had like five minute breaks in between, so I guess he had to handle his business during that five minutes. Okay, now here's the rub. So I tried to look for a video on the original site that the link was from, and of course it was a live feed for 24 hours. So I went and YouTubed a video, and I'm thinking he's here with no music, just, just rapping. Come to find out he's sitting in a chair the music is playing, and he's looking at a monitor. So basically, he's fucking doing karaoke for 24 hours Which straight. I could I do. Could do uh, that. I could do that. Oh, okay. That's this makes this a lot less impressive, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. That, mm-hmm. that kills it. Yeah. Yeah. Now, yeah, he was same. definitely just doing it off the top of his head. You know, like somebody, even if somebody was DJing, and they would just spin to another song, you know, and then he just starts spitting that. Um, I'd be like, whoa, but yeah. Yeah, see how I built him up? I was like, 480 songs. Yeah. Do you remember that? And then I'm like, let me tell you what really happened. The or guy even was sitting like in the a chair list of reading songs a teleprompter. In front of him. Like, even but, just yeah. to have like a set list and say, okay, I'm doing this one now. I'm going to do this whole song. Da, 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 da. Okay, which one's next? All right, do this song. Da, 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 you know, but yeah, just to, like you said, it's karaoke. I could do that. 
I could do that drunk. But the, th- but the thing is, but I, to give him credit, try staying up the whole day. <laughs> One. Right. <laughs> Two, trying to basically when he's rapping, he's still rapping to the tone. He's not like just rapping to rap. He's rapping like, you know, like I think one of the songs was uh, a Public Enemy song. He rapped it like Chuck D would rap it. And then the next song was nice. whoever, like Wu-Tang. He rapped it. He rapped all the lyrics to like Cream. So, so he's he not performed. just doing one person. He's doing everybody in that group's verse. Yeah,that's true。That's true。That's hard to switch styles like that。But still,less impressive when you're sitting in a chair reading a teleprompter。Yes。Yeah,yeah,yeah,definitely。In my opinion。All right,let's move on to the next story because we are way behind and we got a b
rock and roll. Um, no, but there's over 600 people that choose the nominees each year, um, including every living current member of the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Um, and then since oh. 2012, they actually yep. opened it up for fans to vote. Now, of all of Always those choices... Always a bad idea right, to open it up for um, the public. Of all of those choices of the 600 plus people, um, they narrow that down to about five or six, um, and like each um, each category has its own ballot, and the actually the fan ballot counts equally as it would if it were one artist. So it could be 10 million people that vote on that, but it still just counts as one vote. Um, and then from there they go through and they they. But it is weird because the people that are on it – well, let me tell you who's nominated this year. Tupac, um, Pearl Jam, once again, hard to believe Pearl Jam's not in yet. Depeche Mode, Jane's Addiction. Well, I think with Pearl Jam, they just hit the 25-year mark. Oh, okay. Okay, that makes sense. So they're officially – like Nirvana got in last year because they had just hit the 25-year mark. Okay, well, here's one that's got to be well over the 25-year mark that's mind-blowing to me. The Cars. How in the fuck are the Cars not oh in the music hall of fame? Oh, my God, really? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Is Rick, is Rick O'Casey himself? Well, I'm, no, I, got, I guess. He, it would be the whole yeah. man. Rick O'Casey yeah, still yeah, band, right? Whole, yeah, it's, yeah, that guy has that guy has moved the meter when it comes to producing and everything else, too, so I'm, I guess, I don't know if he's in there by himself, but yeah, you would think the cars would be in there. Steppenwolf's been around forever. Jay's oh Giles God. Band. Remember Angel was a centerfold. Um, MC5, yeah. yes, the Zombies. But here's the big one for me. Unbelievable. Bad Brains is nominated. Yeah, yeah. you got to get them yeah. in there. Yes, I know. <laughs> so right. you guys want to make always... a prediction? Because only five of these are getting in. I think... Mm. Tupac's going in because um, um, it seems like the last handful of years have really put an emphasis on getting a new Oh, sorry. Chaka Khan's on there as well. Oh, wow. Oh, see. Chaka Khan. Because you have Rufus and Chaka Khan. But she had that going on before she even went solo. Well, and with Chaka Khan, then you've got RuPaul, then you've got this huge group of like it's like almost a sub genre of like drag club stuff i mean that's a big one right there yeah, yeah. kevin you want to give this a shot who's getting in this year out of those bands i think you Jane's want me to do my, my top five yeah do your sure. top five i'm gonna have to go with bad brains let's do yep. jane's addiction let's put elo in there let's what? put the cars in there and let's put Journey, right? Uh, Journey has to get in. Uh, uh, yeah, but this is my top five. This is my top five. Oh, okay. Five. Uh, so then, uh, shoot, I forgot who the heck else is in there. The Pesh uh, Moe, Tupac, The Cars, uh, Janet Jackson, MC5, I, think M- I guess. MC5. Let's put the MC5. MC5. Yeah. yeah, MC5 will be my fifth. All right, well, my um, unbiased prediction is Jane's Addiction is going to get in. Janet Jackson seems like a shoe-in. The cars seem like a shoe-in. Journey seems like a shoe-in. And then maybe Yes, for some reason, Yes is kind of like a cult band. Odell? I'm going Tupac, Pearl Jam, um, uh, I'm going to have to throw a little personal in there and put Bad Brains in there. Uh, Janet and um, MC5. 
right. Here's a couple bands that are not in there that I can't believe. But Jork is not in there. Bjork. I'm never even nominated. Um, the Cure has only been nominated once, not in there. De La Soul is not in there. Um, yeah. Def Leppard, Dick Dale. If anybody fucking deserves to be in there, it's Dick Dale. Dire yeah. Straits. Some of these bands that are not the Eurythmics. B-52s, um, I think, are not in there. Oh, my God. Um, I mean, yeah, there's a lot of bands. Black Flag. There's a lot of bands that you were like, I mean, I can understand out. a Black Flag, but LL Cool J? I mean, this seems like yeah. somebody. I think Allison Chains hasn't been nominated yet, or if they have, it's only been like once. Nine least. Inch Nails. Ozzy is yeah. not. <laughs> Ozzy are you is kidding not me? In the Rock and Roll Fame. Yeah. Seriously. Well, uh, Sabbath is right. Sabbath is, but not Ozzy, okay. the performer. So. Right. That's a little bit. Yeah. Smashing Pumpkins. The Pumpkins are should be up just now. Like Gish came out right around. Yeah, the probably time. just. Uh, never mind. So. You ready to get pissed off, D? Weird Al Yankovic isn't in there. Are you fucking kidding He's me? He's redefined. <laughs> I'm sorry. Music with satire music. Exactly. Satire. There he was will, no such will, thing. He will get in. He will eventually get in. There was no Mark such thing as satirical music until Weird Al. Not like, even nominated. Sonic Youth is not in there. This, I'm looking at this list in amazement. Sonic Youth. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Well, look how, hey, I mean, for example, Kevin will agree, agree with me. Look how long it took Rush to get in. It took Rush oh, yeah. forever to get in. They probably got it a couple years ago. Didn't Kiss just around. get in last year? Yeah, it was a couple years yeah, ago, yeah. which yeah. amazed There's me. Some... Yeah. You're just like, man, how did, how did, how did they not get in? <laughs> yeah, and this is a fairly incredible list. All right, let's move on to the topic at hand. Waldorf bands, and I'm going to play a couple tonight. I'm going to ask you guys the same question I asked during the Wilmer's Park show. Um, you know, we grew up in the 90s Waldorf music scene. Of course, the biggest band to come out of Waldorf is Good Charlotte, Waldorf La Plata, Southern Maryland. Am I over romanticizing how special that Waldorf music scene is because I was part of it? Or are there scenes like what we experienced in Waldorf going on all the time all over the country? And the Waldorf scene was just indicative of any music scene happening in any small town at any particular moment. What do you guys think? Was it a special scene or did it just seem special because we were such a big component in it? Why can't it be both? Right. I mean, I, uh, I mean, I definitely, I mean, you know, I loved it because I was a part of it, but I never thought that anybody else was paying attention to it in like the next county even, you know? Mm-hmm. Well, we grew um, up going to see bands from different counties and stuff. And I feel like there was such a difference in genre. I mean, look, so of course, good Charlotte, but look at the difference between the bands, Mega Men, Starbucket, Worldwide 3, even Steven Onus, Burgundy, FDA, and Dionic. And those are just some of the bands that I worked with pretty consistently and I'm sure there was a bunch of others I'm forgetting about because it was 20 plus years ago. I, I don't feel like when you went to other counties or if you went to other music scenes, even if you went to like a music scene, maybe not a Chicago, but something like Columbus, Ohio or St. Louis, mm-hmm. Missouri, you are not going to mm-hmm. find a music scene that had that much crossover and that many different styles of music all hanging out and playing together and kind of being interchangeable. And I felt like that was mm-hmm. something special. That didn't exist yeah. other places, but it, it, am I just saying that because I was part of it and we were just kind of like any other music scene in the country? No, I think I think you, I, I think we it it did cover a whole spectrum. 
But the good thing was we were all friends, so everybody came out to support, and it was also a way to hang out, <laughs> too. So, um, you know, I think I, I remember the first um, time that we played uh, uh, in D.C., or the, the we played the Metro uh, Cafe or whatever that was. Um, yeah, that, that show was with Undermine um, and two other hardcore bands, and it was Onus. You know, it was like the weirdest thing, but the fact that we had played with those guys in Waldorf and they knew us and they were, and, and Bill was good friends with Andy and he was like, Hey, do you guys want to open and, and, and gave us that opportunity, which, you know, opened the doors for a lot of other people. Um, uh, I think it, it just, you know, a lot of people thought like, why are you, why are these guys playing with, with them? But in our own circle and our own crew, it, it, it wasn't anything out of the ordinary. Well, and speaking as an outsider, guys, because, you know, I've heard a lot of the music, but obviously I didn't grow up there. I can honestly say, and and I, I feel like I can kind of say because my dad was a DJ for a long time, so I've heard a lot of different areas of music. Um, but I've never really seen any any other place that has that much diversity and that much crossover in such a small, concentrated area. Like, you know, of course, tons of music comes out of Seattle and, you know, used to come out of, there was grunge and da-da-da-da-da. But it wasn't like, well, this band and this band have this person in common or this guy played with this band and then this band. And then, you know, they play punk and they play like jazz almost. And they play, I mean, I've never seen anything like that anywhere else. Dude, one time in our apartment, me and a couple other people sat there and got a big giant fucking piece of poster board and tried to draw a flow chart. And this was in the (laughs) 90s of who had been in what band? And we couldn't do it, dude. We got like nine in- inception steps in to the fucking musical vortex of who's been in what band, and we couldn't keep track of it, dude. Everybody was so interchangeable in those bands. But that's I like 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 Gang Green had done something like that on one of their albums, and they had like, oh, well, this guy came from like Seven Seconds, and this guy came from this band. And I was like, oh, man, we should do that for Waldorf. Let's sit down and start talking about all the bands. And we couldn't fucking do it, dude. We got like three, four brackets down, and we're like, "This, this is too crazy." There's so many lines, we can't even see what's where anymore. <laughs> wow. Yeah, but it made for some really good music. Like the more I hear it, the more I'm like, "Dang!" And I think, and you haven't even heard a fraction of it, D. So, what do you think, Kevin? Was was the scene special? Did it have something that other small town scenes? And well, there's a fairly small town, even though it's a DC suburb. Did, did it have pretty? Did, did it have a special scene that other small towns didn't have, or was this happening everywhere at any given moment? I don't know. I think uh, I think it was the '90s, and I think the '90s were pretty eclectic. You had hip hop, you had funk, you had punk rock, you had alternative rock. Uh, I bet it was going on in other places. Uh, I mean, look at a place like uh, Minneapolis, where you'd get a band like The Replacements, and you also got Prince. Mm. Uh, it's it's a little more rare to have an eclectic scene. Usually when you hear about scenes like Seattle or something like that, it's usually like a certain genre or something like that. But I mean, it was certainly special. I mean... Uh, I think so. Yeah. And I mean, when I threw that first festival at Wilmer's in 97 and I booked DJs and like punk and metal bands together, I was like, dude, is there going to be a fucking riot? 
or am I going to be able to pull this off, mix in all these ingredients into this big musical stew? Is this just going to blow up in my face, or is everybody just going to be down with the music and be able to stand over here? Because I remember high school, everything was so segregated, right? The headbangers stood by the bathroom, and like the jocks stood over here by this wall, and the people that were like in the hip hop stood over here by the gym. And by the 90s, I feel like that ceiling had kind of been shattered, maybe by bands like Tool and Helmet. I remember when Helmet came out, and they were like the first metal band with short hair. And people were like, oh, my God, check out this metal band. They have short hair. And everybody was like losing their fucking minds that there was this metal band with short hair. And I think that ceiling broke in the late 80s, early 90s. So by the time Sandjam was happening and stuff like that in the late 90s, that was just kind of business as usual for everybody to kind of mix genres like that, which is a good thing, I think. Yeah, I think anytime, I think anytime you you put on uh, like a I don't know a show of that magnitude with different uh, tastes, I guess. I think it's just uh, an excuse to get together with a bunch of people and have a good time, you know. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And it was just a bonus that the music was good. And, uh, you know, I think, you know, people were just looking for something to do, especially in a place like Southern Maryland, you know? (laughs) But you remember how crazy it was when Run DMC and Aerosmith did a song together, right? And it was like people's heads wanted to explode. They were like, a rap band and a metal band? What? You got to look at that time. I mean, look at that time when we were playing, too. You you know, you're talking about groups like that. I remember... um, the uh, you had the like the Judgment uh, Judgment Night or uh, soundtrack came out. Then you had the hip hop bands merging with the hardcore metal bands on on a on a on an album. You had you know you talked like, about you Judgment know. Night. Can you remember that yeah. movie? And then their soundtrack yeah. was like um, soundtrack, Idle Hazard you know, had, and like some Onyx. rap band. Yeah, and Onyx, yeah, and Cypress yeah. Hill, and Helmet. You know stuff like that. So you had all that going on, and then you had bands like. Um, Sonic Youth, who did stuff with Public Enemy. You had uh, sports fans like Korn and, and the Deftones, who had like a hip hop feel to their stuff. So it was all merging. You know, even even like, for example, take like skateboarding. Um, I remember when I was in high school. You know, I, I got laughed at when I when I was like when I would skate around with just like Ben or whoever. They're like, dude, there's no brothers out here skating. What the heck are you doing? You know, only one I knew who ever skated was like Chuck yeah, Tree. I forgot about that. What a big deal yeah. was that Rocky George was in suicidal tendencies. Yeah, yeah. And then all of a sudden, you know, skateboarding is like a huge part of the hip-hop culture now. So it's like it all, you know, makes itself, squeeze itself through. And I think like, like Kevin said, um, where we lived, it really, um, it, was, it was a good way to hang out with everybody. Um so you think that's why it took so quickly as opposed to other places? There might have been some resistance. I mean, I live in Caraville, Tennessee, dude. I'm sure that shit wasn't going down here in the 90s. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I think, I think, I think it, it, it definitely helped to be uh, friends with everybody. And then, and as musicians, we were all musicians, too. So you, you throw that aspect in as far as, you know, when I went and saw Dying Fetus, I was, like, looking at the drummer. Like, I was like, huh, what can I do out of what he's doing that I like or, 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 you know, um, yeah. And they picked or, up, um, good Charlotte's drummer for a while. Yeah. You know, so it was like, they, it was extra. a matter. Yeah. So it was a matter of, um, you know, like watching like worldwide three. I knew the first time I saw them 
that they were big Dinosaur Jr. fans. I could just tell by the music that they were that they were playing. I was like, they like Dinosaur Jr. And I would watch what or you know play drums, and I'm like, okay, yeah, I never was thought of doing that. Yeah, was pretty hypnotic on the drums. Yeah, yeah. I so, couldn't think you know, about that guy. You know, same with Starbuck, and I knew they were. I knew Brian. Well, I, I grew up with Brian. We lived Brian Beaton. We lived in the same neighborhood, so I knew what kind of music he was into, and it was the same music that I was sort of into. So, um, but hearing them play, I'm like, holy crap, okay. That, you know, that's the style that I, I like. I like that as well. So it was really cool, not only hanging out and playing, but also looking and, and, and you know, sort of formulating ideas and taking tidbits from other people and, and throwing them in. So the takeaway for me is there was no other scene as great as ours. We had the greatest scene of the late 1990s in America. Thank you. Here, that's here. my takeaway. Here, here. Yeah. All right. Speaking of Worldwide <laughs> Three, D, why don't you play some Happy Childhood? Because I yeah. really, really dig this song. I listen when I when I, I'll talk about those videos here after this too. But when I um, had uploaded all those videos, I hadn't watched them in a while because they're on VHS. Because us old crotchety men used to have VHS, and um, I was <laughs> like, "Holy fuck, this band was good." I forgot how fucking good this band was. So yeah, let's yeah, play wow. some Worldwide Three, D.
right, so here I am, bopping my head, and we're going to get old school here. This is a recording off of a fucking cassette tape, and it sounds that good. <laughs> this is amazing to me. It doesn't sound that good. <laughs> it's infectious. It's, right. it's, it's okay, um, Kevin, to take a little bit of pride in your project. It's infectious. You cannot not, like, bob your head and dig that music. Yeah. I, I still have that good song. I still have that tape. And you That's sent it to song. me, and you had sent me a picture of, like, this thing called a cassette player that you had recorded oh, yeah. it off of. And I was like, holy shit, dude. I can't believe it sounds that good. You pulling it off a cassette. Well, I did a little bit of work to it. Uh, <laughs> it sounded a lot worse. Yeah, me too. Strictly from the cassette. Yeah, it was good. Yeah, and he did too as well. Um, but yeah, man, I, I, I got to admit, that's a good song. Now, I didn't write it. Doug wrote it. And he wrote, I, I got to say, he wrote the catchiest song. Doug wrote some songs. And that's man. one of them. <laughs> and catchy was like, too. Was There's like nothing the, wrong with that. He was like the Paul McCartney of that band. So let me ask now, you this, because I don't know the history. Why did you guys break up? Because you seem to be a pretty solid unit. Uh, good question. Uh, probably women. <laughs> <laughs> so you yeah, got caught on know. tape saying we need to grab our groupies by the pussy, and then like all the women got oh, stopped over the show. I didn't say that. I didn't say that. But... Uh, yeah, I don't know. What what breaks up bands? Uh, I, you know, I don't have a, a solid answer for that. But, right. uh, yeah, it's just, it, I mean, we fell apart and then we regrouped again as, uh, what was it, Ironside Echo with Sergio as a second guitarist. And, um, yeah, I don't know. Um, it's never as good, though, when you regroup, right? Once you break up and then you try to restring everything together, it's never the same. It's not the same, but it can be better, especially when you yeah. have somebody like Sergio join your band. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Speaking yeah. as a guy who's had 162 members and even Steven. <laughs> like, we got that one formula that worked, and it just seemed like after that it was it was gone, especially once we lost our singer and got a, and was going through singers. It was never the same again. Hmm. Are you That's talking my, about Jason? Um, no, it's Bobby. Oh, the one we did uh, the album with. Right on. So I don't know, dude. Anyways, we've got Ginger in here. Our friend Ginger, hey. yay! <laughs> Ginger, can hey. you hear us? Yeah, I can. How are you? Groovy. So, um, are you going way back listening to us regale? Radio world out here and stories of Waldorf, Maryland in the nineties. Way, way back, way back. Yeah, yeah. I started out at about age fifteen at Hot Licks when they used to do the the jam night or whatever it was that they did up there. Y'all remember that? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> That's where I met. I first uh, saw Wes Garcia on drums. Was that a Hot oh Licks wow? Jam? Mm-hmm. <laughs> And he was able to do like John Bonham triplets, and I was like, "Well, this guy's awesome." But I didn't meet him again until uh, high school, which was like a year or two later. Well, let me oh, ask okay. Ginger, yeah. as kind of like somebody who was a fan. And I know you've played in bands too, but as somebody who like was more of a person who went and saw a lot of bands, I'll ask you the question I asked the other guys earlier: What do you think the Waldorf scene was different than other scenes? 
or do I just feel like it was something really special because I was immersed in it at the time? I have to agree that it's both. Having traveled a little bit and, you know, been to other towns that have thriving music scenes, the connection between the bands, I think, was so much stronger in Waldorf where you not only did you have the guys, you know, guys and sometimes girls playing in different bands, sometimes simultaneously, but the fan base would just, just as easily flow from one show to the next, and that's, I think, why you were able to pull off such great festivals. Absolutely. I mean, I couldn't agree more, dude. It was, it, it was very natural to put all these bands together because we were all hanging out at my house and Ben's house and different places, drinking and doing our thing anyways. Yeah, yeah. So it's just yeah. kind of like we were hanging out, but just with our instruments, as and opposed you know, to hanging out with beers in our hand. It, I just want to—I just want to say—it really speaks to the heart of a lot of the people that were involved in that scene to be that open-minded and to be that—you um, know—that open to to really experience what somebody else loved and then to love it themselves. I couldn't have said it better. Um, let me ask yeah. you guys this: I put up those videos on Facebook once Dave had passed. <laughs> And I, let me start with Odell. As a musician, looking at these videos and looking back, are the crowds as big as you thought they were? Were they smaller? Like at Burson's house, we were like, damn, I thought there was more people there. Or holy shit, I forgot how many people were there. Or man, dude, I thought we played a better set. Or man, dude, like we're like <laughs> 10 times better than I remember. What was the oh, feeling watching God. those videos from 20 plus years ago? I don't know the last time you've seen any of those videos. Yeah, I hadn't popped them in a while. It's one of those things where it's like you don't you have it you you have some of it stored away in, in your memory, but there's like little tidbits that you forget about, and and that's what was brought out in those videos. Um, like I have you know the pictures and stuff from a lot of a lot of the, the like the, the the party at uh, Chris Burson's house. Um, April took a picture. I think it's like from behind me, so I could see. Yeah, that's an insane picture. That's a crazy picture because yeah, I think she used like a fish one too. So, um, <clears throat> so it's really you know. But then you look at a lot and you're like, oh man, I forgot about that night, or I forgot about you know that uh, that time we played there. Or was um, a video like, better or your memory better? Or did you guys no, sound the, better? The, the video. The, the video. Um, it was funny because some of it is like, oh man, you know, being being the you know, I'm like my worst critic, so you know, I'm looking like, man, I wish I could have that one back. Oh, oh, yeah. <laughs> wow. Kevin, are like, oh. <laughs> you feel the same way? Like when you watch those videos, were you like, man, we weren't as good as I thought we were, or were you like, holy fuck, we were great? Because that's how I felt when I watched the Worldwide Three video and the um, Burgundy video. I was like, holy shit, dude. These like these. I don't understand how they never went further. Did you have that kind of sense, or was it kind of like, oh, we were just kind of mediocre now watching these videos? Yeah, it's always uncomfortable, uh, uncomfortable for me to watch myself or like hear my mm -hmm. voice back on a podcast or something. It's, uh, <laughs> but yeah, uh, that video in particular, yeah, like the beginning, uh, I could tell that we were a little nervous, and then we got a little better as the show went on. And mm -hmm. uh, but I wouldn't have it any other way. I mean, it was a no, great show, was, and yeah. to uh, to expand on uh, what Odell was saying, yeah, uh, looking at the crowds, they're a lot bigger than what I remembered, and I think that's because being on stage, 
I tried to block out <laughs> the crowd, you know. <laughs> Were you just going to, like, freak down. out and run into the woods? I can't do this. <laughs> Too many people. Yeah, if, if, if I actually let myself, like, if I let my brain know how many people were at that party, I probably would have freaked out. But, you know, yeah. Dude, that party, it. something the listeners need to know is Chris Burson kind of lived back on a country road on Billingsley. And that party Ooh. was so big. And we ran the cops off. The cops came and people had video cameras. This is way before, like, everybody has a, a cell phone now. And the yeah. cops, they, we were like, we're not leaving. And after the cops left, Starbucket went on, and they had to close off the road, set up roadblocks, because there was miles of cars still trying to get into that party at like 10 or 11 o'clock at night when they tried to shut it down. Yeah, that's amazing yeah, I remember, to me. I, I remember my, my sister showed up, and I'm like, you know, I, I don't even know if I had mentioned it to her. And uh, she was like, how did you hear? She was like, somebody at a convenience store was in line, they were buying cigarettes, and they were like, yo, man, we're going up to Billingsley Road. There's a party going on, and there's bands playing. And Unika uh, was like, wonder if that's Adele. And then, and then, lo and behold, she got up there, and it was like, yep, there there we all were. Yeah, that was <laughs> historic. Yeah. All right, I want to yeah. shift gears and talk about FDA. And I think the authority here on this panel on FDA would be Mrs. Ginger Marcus here. Um, Ginger, you spent a lot of time with FDA. What happened to those guys? Like just in a band sense, they kind of broke that's, up and yeah. came back. And that's one question I actually can't answer. Um, it, it, all I know is there's a core, there's a couple of different cores to that group and they were all tight in their own different ways. And if they have broken up, I, I can't even begin to speculate why, because that was a solid, uh, you know, solid group of friends. Okay. Um, what was it like, like traveling around and hanging out with those guys? Because I know even Steven played a lot of shows well, with yeah. FDA, but you were more kind of in that camp than in our camp. Well, it, there was two different phases to my involvement with that group. Um, in the younger days, it was... Um, there was mostly Nick Cunningham, Kevin Benson, um, Tim, you know, a couple other people, um, you know, that all kind of played around together. And then I think I went away to college and came back and they had hooked up with some people in Lowell Branch. And that's how FDA came together. It was like a second, second wave. And um, I wasn't quite as tight with that group at that time period. So I hate that I can't speak to it, but I don't want to talk over, you know, and say something that's it's inaccurate but i can tell you for one thing that their band practices were absolutely epic i used to go there as often as possible to listen to them because um they just had a lot of fun right on well i'll let you pick the song then you want to hear some playing god or build um oh let's do build all righty d the request is in hit it this is fda build or at least it will be in about two seconds there we go Fire, burn these eyes, makes me think I'm 
Alrighty. So, you know what was um, always cool yeah. about FDA is they always inserted Waldorf into their song. Not always, but they had a couple different songs that they dropped Waldorf into. They they had like a lot of Waldorf pride, right, Ginger? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. It was a, like an ultra local band. Yep. It's not like trans, you know, not a lot of transplants. I mean, people, you know, most of them went to school together and, um, you know, they just you know, trying to lift that area up. Yeah. And I can appreciate that. Odell, did you spend, you didn't spend a lot of time hanging out with FDA, right? Did you and Kevin follow those guys? Well, I I think the most, it was like later on. um, I know, I think I started really spending more time with them after I played with you guys. Like uh, when we did the, um, one of the times I played drums, uh, for even Steven, we went on that little tour thing, and FDA was one of the bands. <clears throat> I think it was it was us, FDA, and um, Adam Thorne, uh, Take Warm Love. Um, when we did that thing in Pennsylvania, and then we went down to Virginia Beach. So that's when I really got to know him. But I knew Nick Cunningham just from school, and then he played. He was a little bit after me, but he uh, played football too. So. We were sort of in that same mold because we played uh, at McDonald's and we played uh, ball. And so um, he knew more of my sister. He was um, closer to my sister's age. So. All right. We have to like kind of put it in the turbo here because Dee's telling me her computer's going to shut down in 10 minutes for updates and she Uh-oh. can't figure out a way to escape it. Um, Ginger, even Steven, yeah. what did you <laughs> think of those days? Because looking back, 
You guys look back and think the opposite. I look back sometimes and go, oh, man, out of all the talent coming out of um, Waldorf, even Steven was just kind of hokey. Even Steven was, was a fun band. I, I can't believe how often I find myself with this song stuck in my head. Yeah, we're like I always say, like that um, episode of Seinfeld, Costanza, like the deodorant shingle. Yeah, every once in a while I walk around, I'm like, why? Why guess girls love shoes? Like, just randomly, exactly. I don't know. I don't know why. Well, speaking of which, why don't you hit some girls love shoes? Because I want to play this and then um, end on an Onus song since we've only got about nine minutes left. Before your computer goes kaput. <laughs> Yeah, definitely a party band, right, Adele? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yep. Oh, yeah. Uh, uh. But I just wanted to do fun music that connected with people. And even though I had some political stuff in there, I didn't want to be like an against all authority where everybody like had to hear a fucking speech before we went up or 15. Right. I didn't want to go all Jeff Ott. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> but I also wanted to like do something fun. And I mean, a lot of those songs, dude, were written in my head. This is before cell phones. Like, I would be at Food Lion stocking shelves overnight, and I would call my answer machine and hum these songs into my answer machine and then come oh, home yeah. the next day and fucking write them because it was the only thing you could do back then. Yeah, me and Serge, if you, when we lived together, I don't know how many voicemails on our answer machines were either him humming a song or some sort of chord into, into the answer machine or me tapping a beat or something into the answer machine. And it, <laughs> Because <laughs> you were forgetting. <laughs> I wonder if gone. anybody. I wonder if anybody was ever home when you were doing that. I know. <laughs> they pick up. You're flipping out. Mom, you ruined it. <laughs> and the band we started out with was Government Cheese Odell, and that was a train wreck. Yeah. No pun intended. Yeah. Government Cheese. Oh man. All right, we've got to wrap this up because once uh, the computer restarts, we all go bye-bye. Sorry, um, guys. Final thoughts, Ginger, 
on the Waldorf music scene? Yeah, I I think it's still I think it had an impact on what's going on down there now. Every time I go into Waldorf, I see like-minded kids growing up riding their skateboards, piercings, crazy hair. Do you and I'm think like, any of them know who Onus or Burgundy or Worldwide Three is? Anybody? I, you know what? I'm going to ask them next time I find them there. I'm going to ask them if they know their roots. <laughs> yeah, school for us, please. That Kevin, so cool. last thoughts on the Waldorf music scene of the nineties. Oh man, it was uh it was awesome to be a part of it, man. And uh I mean, you know, playing at uh, the Sunset Fest and uh recess and Heisman's was a was a big hub for uh gathering. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You know, my favorite thing was about Heisman's. I used to get my ass beat by jocks in school. So I wrote a song called Jock Asshole and I got a shirt made that said Jock Asshole in Jersey. And and there would always be like three or four drunk redneck jocks in there that were like 40 years old at the time. And I would just get up there and like tear them apart because I was such a dick when I was like in my mid 20s. They were like, this next song goes out to all you um, jocks who used to pick on me and grew up to be like big fat losers in trailer parks. This is called Jock Asshole. And like, look right at them. Because they were regular, so they were in there anyways. You know what I'm saying? What, what were they going to do? There was like 50 of us and four of them. You know? Right. <laughs> all right, um, Odell, final words. Yeah. Sorry we didn't get to a whole lot of Onus stuff. I didn't know we were going to get cut oh, off. This early, but we're going to end with some Hot Rod. So go ahead and give us your final thoughts and set up Hot Rod for us. No, I just, I, I, I absolutely enjoy it. I, 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 it's funny because I tell my parents that I think I spent more time um, with, like, the crew than I did with them during those times. Like, I think at one summer, I think literally every weekend during the summer before I went back to school, I was either at Heisman or at somebody's show or playing a show. But Don't forget the comic book store. We spent a lot of time. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah, I mean, it looks, I, I was talking to somebody the other day. I was like, yeah, I remember, you know, playing the comic book school on a Sunday and then turning around and driving three and a half hours back up to Frostburg after that. Didn't you play you with know, Good but, Charlotte there? Who played with Good Charlotte there? Because I remember we, we played with them because we put that show together. I thought you did, too. Yeah, we played we played there, and I think the Mega Man, that's, that's when that fight almost broke out. <laughs> yeah. <okay>. Yeah. <laughs> The Mega so, Man. But, I wish we could have got to them too. Oh man, yeah. but no, they, it, it was fun, and, and you know it was cool to see because a lot of people, um, you know, that I didn't know played played. So they were like friends that I went to high school with that were playing that I had no clue to play, and they were the same way. They're like, "How do you know you like this?" So, so it really uh, um, opened those avenues. And then you know, just like for example, like a couple weeks ago, most of the people that were at at like Kevin and Marianna's wedding where people that either played or play or still play or doing something musically. Maybe that was a good vibe I was talking about. All right. I want to thank everybody for calling in. We're going to end this with hot rod, hot rod. Mm -hmm. Set us up. Odell. Um, this is probably our, our hardest side of song. Um, Serge and I at the time were in the three man shoe and, um, we were listening to a lot of them and, and, and hot rod sort of came out of, out of them. So, all right thanks for calling in kevin thanks for calling in ginger we'll be back next week with our halloween special with matt guyler yes bye guys great show thanks